Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. All right, this is Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. We're a multiple award-winning show. Now in our 15th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. And also, uh, we are so fortunate tonight to have a dear friend of mine on tonight who, former DJ here at Bring It On, uh, but has gone on to... Uh, I, I dare not say greener pastures, but <laughs> he, he's gone cross town on mm-hmm. us. And we've had him on before. We, we've uh, sort of ribbed him before, but we, we, we're going to officially roast him today. No. Mm-hmm. But uh, William Morris is the host of WFIU's jazz program, Just You and Me, for which he created the upbeat Soul Kitchen featuring funky jazz, R&B, gospel, and rock. All in one hour. No. Uh, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> two hours. He began at WFH. Uh, he began at WFIU after five years of volunteering here at community radio station WFHB, where he hosted such program as programs as the Tuesday Afternoon Music Mix, Ora Latina, the Jazz Menagerie, and filled in in many different capacities. He broadcasts with his radio handle of Brother William, mm-hmm. a name that works on different levels, including identifying himself as uh, an African American and an evangelist for all things musical, be it jazz, blues, gospel, rock and roll, world music, or Americana. A full-time staff attorney at Indiana Legal Services, uh, William is previously, previously was in private practice that concentrated on civil rights and employment discrimination. This soon will change as he has an important divine announcement to make during our show tonight. Mm. And along with that, we wanted to bring him on to catch up on a variety of legal issues of importance in our community, and perhaps a word or two on the recent voting rights expansion bill, which, by the way, had the support of just one Republican. And with that, Brother William Morris, welcome to Bring It On. Brother, it's always good to be with you, Clarence. I don't see you enough, and when I do see you, I cherish the time. So thank you for the invitation. I'm glad. I'm so glad we're recording this, and I thank you. <laughs> and, and as uh, Chantal said, yeah, be, be careful out there when you're driving around. We, mm-hmm. When we were coming back uh, this past weekend, my parents celebrated their 65th mm. wedding anniversary. 65. 65. Wow. And so we, we had a family gathering up in, in my hometown of Gary, Indiana. Sort of bittersweet because during the weekend, we lost an icon, uh, Mayor Richard Gordon yes, Hatcher. Yes, you did. Uh, mm-hmm. the, one of the first black um, black mayors uh, to head up a major urban center, but mm. uh, he passed away this past Friday. But my parents celebrated 65 years, so we had a wonderful time. And uh, on the way back, um, I, and I have to say, I mean, on the way back, it was fine until we got to around the north side of Indianapolis, and lo and behold, flurries and they had called for it so we sort of were we were prepared for it but Mm -hmm. then the further south you went the the flurries got thicker by the time we got to 67 and uh saw a car that spun off in the median then by the time we got to uh 39 over to 37 uh things were fine until we crested over a hill 
in a parking lot. Mm, mm, and we mm. were there for about an hour and, and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, it felt like. It felt like eternity. And, and I was uh, joking with a colleague today. That's one of the first times that I was so glad that my, one of my little girls didn't say, Daddy, I got to go. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> talking <laughs> about small blessings. Yes, we, we yes. were talking about everything but, you know, those type of things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then finally found out that a car had careened into the guardrail, mm-hmm. which I hope they were okay. Mm-hmm. But this is serious because they're calling for another round of something similar tonight. So if you're out driving around, and especially for those that have pickup trucks or SUVs and you think you're in a wonder car, mm-hmm. you are not. Mm-hmm. The rude awakening comes when you uh, hit that patch of black ice and then you find out that four-wheel drive doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Be so, careful. So Practice please. caution. Exercise caution. So that PSA was brought to you by the Bring <laughs> All right. And then also a couple things. Uh, I mean, what there, there, there are a lot of things going on. What's the world like over there across town where the, where the pasture is a little bit greener than, I guess, over here? Well, you know, you and I have talked about this at times. Um, being at WFIU is um, it's 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 a great experience for me, and it's it's a great joy working with them. David Brent Johnson, John Bailey, Will Murphy, Joe Getz, uh, George Walker. I mean, these people are in many ways local radio institutions. You know, they dedicate themselves to studying the kinds of music that they play. I'm not sure if uh, in Bloomington, if there's anybody that's not affiliated with the music school who knows more about jazz than David Brent Johnson. I mean, he's okay. just a fantastic resource of that. I'd say with Joe Getz and George Walker with classical music, um, they are certainly experts. And I mean, George has been at WFIU since about the time your parents got married. I mean, you know, he's been there quite a while. So, okay. so those things are good. And, and the kind of, you know, it's a, it's an NPR PBS kind of experience. So right, it's, right. it's not community radio, which I miss the organic nature of community radio. Um, you know, and the joy of working with people who feel strongly enough about the mission of WFHB that they volunteer at the time like right, you. Right. And you have to feel strongly about that mission to have stayed with this like you 15 years. That's a That's commitment. Right. That's right. And I've been here long enough and talked to you long enough that I know that every show you put together ain't an all-star hit and every show, I mean, you got to put work into this to make it work. So That's I right. I know that. Well, and and even further than 15 years ago, back in 94, we started a gospel broadcast uh, early in the morning. We were out at Radio Ridge, where we physically mm. broadcast out there at Radio Ridge, which was uh, basically, for all intents and purposes, a shelter. There was no heat, no running water. There was there was sort of a, a porta potty right next door. I mean, so you know, you had the conveniences mm-hmm. of home, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> the uh, the transformer was your heater. Mm, so wow. during times like this, Sunday mornings, you race 37 South to Harrodsburg, get off and then go in there and climb a barricade because mm. you know, safety and security. I had to climb a barricade mm. in my suit because I would go to church right after. Wow. And there was a little mouse in there that was my friend. And we shared that transformer, mm. the heat from that transformer. Mm. You ain't talking about a computer mouse. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about a computer mouse. This, this was a little squeaky or yeah. whatever. But uh, wonderful times, and from there, just you know, my love of, of just radio grew. Uh, started back in high school, and um, had a radio and TV class. Teacher was Paul Abasi, and he really, you know, just kindled the flame amongst mm-hmm. all these mm-hmm. aspiring students back then. And you know, it's just so interesting as I listen to your story because I know enough about you that 
I know with each year you have been given greater responsibility to expand your influence in Bloomington, at IU, in different areas, and 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 you've you've grown into things. I know that I know enough about you that you've you've grown into things. You've grown from climbing barriers on Sunday morning in your in in rain and snow to you know to keeping. And then and, and getting, bring it on, you know, putting it on the map to an award-winning show. And that's that's an accomplishment. Well, thank you for that. And, and it, you, you don't do it alone. I mean, there yes, have been so wonderful exactly people. Right. I think back on the original voices of bringing on, uh, of course, now Councilman Jim Sims. Mm-hmm. You know, he's famous now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And I he's hear the a, commercials, and it's like, oh, there's Jim and Beverly. Yeah, right? yeah. Jim has a chauffeur and everything. No, yeah. no, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Uh, but, I can but, believe it, though. <laughs> but, but Jim was... Uh, the first male persona mm-hmm. and uh, Delia Alexander uh, was the female persona and those two had the voice and then Beverly Calendar Anderson came on mm-hmm. and then um, you know Bev Smith came on William Hosea came on mm-hmm. and we just had from there just some fascinating individuals that yes. have breathed life into this show and I am so beholden to them absolutely um, and um, I'm endeared to them all absolutely but I tell you it's it goes from just a curiosity to you feel as if you're serving a greater purpose and mm-hmm. getting the word out on so mm-hmm. many things. Mm-hmm. And there's so much going on, especially in this whole area of politics over, I mean, my gosh, since the beginning of the, the Obama presidency to where we are now, mm-hmm. uh, things have been interesting. And of course, with what may unfold over the next few weeks to a month mm-hmm. uh, is truly fascinating. And we'll talk a little bit about that. It's high that. drama. There's no question. It, it is high yes, drama. High drama. High um, historical drama. And, you know, I think the magnitude of it all may set in really when the trial takes place in mm-hmm. the Senate. Mm-hmm. I think right now it's more posturing, posturing mm-hmm. and showboating and who can outshout who mm-hmm. and this and the other. But mm-hmm. then the gravity of this all, mm-hmm. you know, you have mm-hmm. a body of legislators that can really determine the fate uh, of a sitting president. You know what, it's very interesting, and I hope we do talk about this. I've been really sort of this idea of the person, the distraction of personality. Right. You know, and I've, I'm just very convinced um, that the president has, has captured this. Right. He knows how to do this, and anybody that sells him short on his ability to know how to do this, he knows how to do it, and he's, right. and he's capable and skilled at it. And it's the distraction of personality. If you look at me long enough, other stuff's going on that you will not see because I am the show. And, and um, it's, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful construct because it's it's really the first of its kind in in in, in this size mm-hmm. um, in our history, and I I think people are still trying to figure out well how do we match up against that? Well, I look back at even before The Apprentice, um, you know, he was this really uh, larger than life real estate mogul uh, yes. who just took New York by storm. Absolutely. Although his father started uh, uh, that whole. Uh, opportunity for him but nevertheless he captured it and you know I, my my memory of him is flying around in his helicopter yes and arriving wherever he's going yes. and then his uh, interviews on on national tv and and the fact that you know he was just this larger than life persona yes. and you're right he's a marketeer mm-hmm. and yeah. i remember him even before that clarence because i grew up in newark new jersey so i remember when 
Um, I'm not sure if it was the USFL. It was one of these alternative football leagues, and he bought the New Jersey Generals. He was the owner of that team, and he signed Herschel Walker. I don't know if you remember Herschel Walker. Yeah, I do. Um, out of Georgia, the Heisman right. Trophy yeah. winner who was just a fantastic athlete. And Heisman, you know, he was just a great running back. And he, before he went to the NFL and played with the Cowboys and Minnesota Vikings, he played two or three years with the New Jersey Generals, and Trump owned, owned that team. And there was a particular time in Trump's early years, I think, when he patronized black society to his benefit. You right. know, he would be right. with Michael Jackson and, and Muhammad Brown. Ali and yep. James Brown. Right. He would show up in places where they were and get their pictures taken. And I don't believe he ever stepped into a civil rights or, or any sort of social cause, but he was always there to have his pictures taken with people. And if I recall, I know that Don King was always at his, his mm -hmm. right arm, mm -hmm. at the promoter. Mm -hmm. Now now he's mm -hmm. a study all yes. in himself. Yes. But then Al Sharpton back yes. in the earlier years uh, with Tawana Brawley and yes. a lot of other things that yes. took place yes. back then, that's when he comes on the scene. And, he, and in his own right, he's been a voice. But um, he had the ear. Yes, he of, did. Of Don, Donald Trump. Yes, yes. And, you know, he, um, in my mind, I was, I wouldn't say I was a fan of Donald Trump, but I sort of didn't look at him as askance as I do today. Not until the Central Park Five. Right. That changed me. That right. changed my trajectory totally. Right. And that's when he got my attention in another way. And, and, it's, and it's only grown yeah. in that yeah. uh, negative way yeah. since that time. And the birther movement and, yes, and, absolutely. and on and on. And so, 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 and now, I mean, this would be the first of five or six shows that we could devote to that. But, yes. but, but suffice to say, um, and I said this, I think day two of his, of his presidency, you know, tighten your safety belt. Yes. Because we're going for a ride. Yes. And we don't know where this ultimately mm -mm, may, may no, go. No. But, but I, I really, I agree with you, his capacity to bring attention back to himself mm -hmm. has been his strong suit, mm -hmm. and he plays it well. Mm -hmm. He plays it well. Um, now, Soul Kitchen, that, that's going fine. What, what are you oh, cooking yeah. up in the Soul Kitchen for 2020? Well, you know, Clarence, the Soul Kitchen, just probably like your show, you know, I don't really look forward to music because I mean, I'm 62 years old so I play a lot of the classic rock classic soul classic jazz classic gospel you know I mean you on the soul kitchen you could hear Mahalia Jackson then Eric Clapton then the Beatles <laughs> then your boy George Benson then Quincy Jones then oh, yeah. um, Bette Midler then I mean then the blind boys of Alabama and and somehow in some strange sort of way um um, the Lord has allowed me to listen to enough <laughs> different music that I can figure out how to put it together in a way that 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 makes it fairly successful. So, so this musical gumbo uh, formula yeah. works, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. where a little dash of this, yeah, a little, little sprinkle yes, of that. Yes, um, and it's true. I mean, it's it, you know those type of formatted programs typically do well because uh, the 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 programmer it's. It's the soul, the programmer that comes through more so than what's mm -hmm. programmed to be mm -hmm. played. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Arbitron does mm -hmm. not necessarily rule what you play. Mm -mm. The ratings don't dictate you will play no. this person yes. in, in this series yes. these many times a day. You know. Yes. So what we say, what I said is a little motto we made up for the show, which is music tunes with a groove and music with a message. So, you know, whether it's Bob Marley talking about get up, stand up, or Aretha talking about respect, or James Brown saying, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, or the Allman Brothers saying, um, you know, 
people, can you hear it? Brothers, I mean, whatever it is, there's a message in the music or there's a right. tune, there's a groove in the tune. And so you try to put those together in such a way. It is a little bit like Bob Marley said when he was alive. He said, you know, people listen to my music for different reasons. Some people really like the, the, the groove yeah. and some people actually do hear the message. The message. The and, message. and you try to play it both ways so you can get through to people. Well, he was speaking to the masses mm -hmm. and he was a voice for the masses. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did draw a lot of attention to him. Yeah, he's still an icon today. He's still like yeah. icon today. Yeah. Um, now, do you have thematic program shows? I mean, where today's theme is such and such, and you try to wrap things around that, or you just I just go for it, well, whatever the appetite a, is. Yeah, for the day, yeah. yeah, I bring in um, a little bit of. Years ago, you know, I was raised in Newark, New Jersey, as I say so often, and there was a DJ on a rock show, underground rock show, named uh, um, The Nightbird, and she was on late at night. I mean, you remember these days, parents tell you to go to bed, and you right. got to transist the radio right. underneath your pillow. Well, I don't know if yours this was, was FM. FM. Yours was FM? This was New York. Okay, yeah, this, yeah. Mine was AM. Yeah, yeah, mine yeah. was too for yeah, a while, yeah. but when I got to New York, I had to go FM. And then there was NJR, which was the Newark, uh, New Jersey black station, and then, I mean, there were all these different, you know, in the Chicago area like you, or New and York, you get all the, yeah. You hear all GCI. these different stations, yeah, yeah. and and disco was out, and I knew people that were buying uh, uh, um, mixers, mixers and all this, and, and it was so yeah, <laughs> and it was so fantastic. So I heard all this music, and um, did you have a Jerry curl? Um, I didn't know. I you know I you know I you know my mother my mother was white, so I didn't really need a Jerry okay, curl, brother. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I had a little bit. Did you have the parachute pants? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had everything, brother. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Platform <laughs> shoes. I mean, I was out there, brother. I was out there just like Larry Graham. Whatever Larry Graham had on, I had on. Whatever yeah. slide was wearing, I was wearing. But but, but you weren't uh, like spinning on the ground on your head. Or no, no, no. Okay, I didn't okay, get that far. Right, I couldn't. Right. I, I wasn't that uh, um, advanced. <laughs> But you know, I was ride, walk, walking around with uh, um, with bell bottoms and platform shoes, and my fist held high because yeah, you yeah. know this was a time when we're coming out of the '68 That's Olympics, right. and right. you know, and James Brown's talking things, and everybody's talking things, and the Staples Singers are saying respect yourself, and I mean, I was into all of it, brother. Oh, yeah. yeah, the death of Che Guevara, the death of Malcolm X, the death—I mean, just and the things that came with that in the New York big city areas. Well, the thing that that drew attention for me. As I said, what transpired this past weekend, you know, with Richard Gordon mm -hmm, Hatcher, mm -hmm. uh, his rise to politics uh, was, was back in 66. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was a time when, um, you know, the Gary City Council was all white. And you know a lot about this more than I do because oh, you're from Gary. I'm from Gary. Mm -hmm. And the night that he was elected, my mother sat at the table in our living room, had the uh, radio on WWCA. Mm -hmm. And many of our Gary listeners, you know what I'm talking about, um, and she counted the precinct returns mm -hmm. until it was over. And uh, there was celebration uh, in our neighborhood uh, everywhere because wow. and it was surreal. Yes. It was surreal. Yes. And then Carl Stokes also that mm -hmm. same night. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, these two individuals. So Carl won that night too? He won that same oh, night. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And so here you have this situation where, you know, these two phenomenal individuals and of course, uh, Bradley in L.A., you know, he, he made his mark. But um, And where I was in Newark, Ken Gibson was there. I'm not sure which where he fits into that, but, you know, Mayor Gibson became Mayor of Newark in 68. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, it, it was sort of a trend. It yes, was a it trend was. where uh, there was a black presence and and politics. Mm-hmm. And and I in reading his, his a story that sort of covered his life, it said that Hatcher, who was the city's mayor for twenty years, mm. after winning a pivotal election, not only for Gary but for the United States in November, actually sixty seven, November sixty seven. Is considered, along with Carl Stokes, to be the first African American mayor elected in a major U.S. city. Mm-hmm. Stokes was elected mayor of Cleveland on the same yes. day. Yes. Yes. And while the city is is sort of mourning and and sort of getting um, contemplative of all the things that he achieved and attempted to achieve, I mean, against incredible pressure. Absolutely. Um, there was Absolutely. what we term as white flight that just took off mm. uh, within the first few years and. You know, he had ambition. Uh, he dreamed large dreams, had grand visions, and and implemented so many things. But was against, in a lot of respects, a machine of mm-hmm, sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't make any apologies uh, for my hometown. I love my hometown. Yes, yes, you should. I love and my hometown. Should, I love my, my high school, which now Where'd is you went, you went to Roosevelt, the only school. Mm-hmm. Which now, and I know you West Side listeners and you the Wallace listeners, mm-hmm. don't, don't don't hate me, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know the history of Gary Roosevelt, and yeah. you know what we're going through now, yes, even yes. as a school. That's uh, right. It's in disarray. It's and needs and, and desperate need of repair. I was listening today. One community rallied behind a building and got it designated as an historical site. Mm. And in a lot of respects, uh, there ought to be a movement to do the same for Gary Roosevelt. Yes, there should be. There yeah. should be. There are very. Um, there's a lot of notable brothers and sisters that came there out are. of Gary, came out of Roosevelt. And I know if they, you would know this if we did a plaque. We would see a whole lot of names lot coming of, out of there, and the Jackson Five's house is right next to right it, next, right? <laughs> right next to it. Um, and you know, I mean, everything from um, well, I, if I start going on list, I'm going to forget somebody. But mm-hmm. um, many have, of course, gone on out of the city because the opportunities aside for mm-hmm. the steel mill, yes, uh, there weren't a lot. But there, there was a time in that in, in my hometown when business owners had their own businesses. My my exemplars were all African American lawyers, attorneys. Doctors, mm-hmm. businessmen, mm-hmm. and women, absolutely, bankers—you uh, name it—and uh, politicians. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. Educators, I mean, coaches, people of all kinds of um, great backgrounds That's came right. out of there. Where did Mr. Taliaferro go to high school? Mr. Taliaferro went to Gary Roosevelt. Okay, that's as I put and, his name right there at the top. And his One brother, his brother Claude, was mm-hmm. my football coach. Mm-hmm. Wow, was he big like Mr. Taliaferro? He had them big hands and big shoulders, and that exact that, opposite. Yeah. Oh, really? Exact oh, opposite. Whoa. He was sort of a, a more smaller stature mm. individual. Um, and in his own right, he was a great athlete, went to mm. another college. I bet he was. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, George Talaferro, who I met when I was 10 years old, wow. going to an IU football game. My parents grew up with him. They, mm. my, my parents went to school mm. with him. Mm hmm. Um, and uh, went over to his house and, and met, of course, uh, uh, Judge Talaferro at the time, who was yes. not Judge Talaferro, yes. but Mrs. Talaferro. She may not even been lawyer Talaferro then. But she yet. was not she lawyer. She was not yet, yeah. Um, you know, her first, her first big case was uh, the Denver uh, Smith trial. Whoa, oh, I yeah. didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, she represented Sonequa Smith. Mm, I oh, did yeah. not know that. Oh, yeah. Doesn't surprise me, but I didn't no. know that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, uh, and I, I don't want to, like, make too much of Mr. Tyler Farrell's athleticism, but, you know, even at 80, you could see this, this, these shoulders. I mean, he still had this. Well, you know what that, that came beautiful from? Beautiful physique I mean, yeah. from steel work. No, from, from swinging the golf club. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody I was mean, talking about that the other day. Oh, I man, said, please. was he good? They said, well, he was enthusiastic. Uh, uh, 
when there was a day if 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 it was a shiny day, you ask him how you doing. I'm doing fine. I'm going golfing. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no. And and I I hold I hold a distinct. Uh, well, I have the, I hold this distinction of being one of the few people ever, and hear me now out there mm. in the radio world, to actually practice putting in his living room. Whoa. He let me. Pra- he said I don't let everyone do this. Yes, I can believe that his living room was big. Yeah, and and, and I and, and and all the delicate stuff was moved out the way. You know? <laughs> But but he actually because I told him I've been practicing and um, you know he let me try and I was I was hitting that little mm-hmm. you know he had the mm-hmm. the cup hole where it yes. bounced it out yes. and yeah yeah I know he was he was he was great you know <laughs> I got to tell you just I didn't know Mr. Tallerfero for a long long time but when I first came to IU you know I worked with international students and I worked with um, different programs and taught English and this kind of thing and the first time I met him. It was in a parking lot, and I knew who he was, and I went up and introduced myself, and I asked him if he could come speak to my class about African-American black history in Bloomington and Indiana. And, you know, he came the first time, the second time, the third time. I mean, he he always came. And these international students, I can almost cry thinking about it. Um, You know, they were from Korea or or wherever they were from, Latin American countries. I mean, they were just, um, what's the word? They were riveted riveted by his stories because they first they couldn't believe it. But then they could just tell that he's he's walking, talking history. I mean, he's the authentic, real deal. So anyway, Mr. Tyler Farrell, rest in peace. Yeah, Rest in peace. Uh, A lot of our exemplars, as they may say, uh, have transitioned as of late. Yeah, I'm talking uh, to one though, right here, <laughs> brother. But yes, there are you many, are. there are many great shoulders yes. that I've been yes, allowed that's to right. stand that's on, right. and, and um, my hope is is that I, I don't uh, disgrace that's them, right. but I uh, uh, do the yeah. very best I can. Well, you're mindful of it, so that's the first thing, brother. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just tuned in, we're listening to Attorney William Morris, who is not only attorney by day, but at the four o'clock hour, is it? Mm, it's three to five on Fridays and ten to midnight on Saturdays. He, he dons a cape <laughs> that has Brother William emblazoned yeah, on the back yeah. as he flies <laughs> to WFIU, yeah. and uh, he takes his position behind the uh, yes. the mic and becomes Brother William. Yes. But we're going to talk a little bit more with with Brother William after we take this quick music break. You are listening to WFHB here on your radio. Uh, community radio station WFHB. Well, you. Oops, excuse me. By now in New York City. There's snow on the ground Out in California The sun is shining down And maybe down in Memphis Graceland's all in Tonight, Christmas in Dixie, 
magic in Motown The city's on the move In Jackson, Mississippi In Charlotte, Carolina And all across the nation It's a peaceful Christmas time is just nine days before Christmas and you just heard the Blind Boys of Alabama one of my favorites singing Christmas in Dixie and now back to our you're supposed to say at this point oh. now back to my dynamic anchor Clarence Boone dynamic wonderful outstanding <laughs> phenomenal yeah yeah good looking we're, 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 we're gonna practice that ladies and gentlemen but i just wanted to give you a taste of uh, uh pure talent i mean yeah. this is highly sought after i mean they pick you up in a chauffeur still i mean chauffeur well, driven. a bicycle brother bicycle. on a tandem oh. <laughs> i gotta get in the back of the ba- yeah 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 tandem bicycle they get me well but at least you know maybe maybe if you really do well they'll get you one of those little motorized scooters that you yeah. can just yeah, right. Credit card oh, like I fall in. off. <laughs> but you know, man, man, I got. I want to launch into something a little bit, Clarence, because yeah. when we were off the air, you you brought up something that's very, very interesting. And you know, I came to Bloomington 14 years ago. You've been here a long time, mm-hmm. and it's taken me some time to see who's who, to really meet and know Liz Mitchell, to right. meet and know Gene and Gladys Devane, to right. meet and know Bill Vance, to meet and know you, to meet and know William Hosea. Etc. Etc. Jim Sims, Doris Sims, etc. And to know the places and the the successes and the work and the fight and the struggle that they've had in this area and what they've done to achieve things. And I think that you know it's 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 so good. I'm I'm so fortunate to be able to start to speak into some of the spaces where they have invited me to speak and you've invited me to speak. But it's been so wonderful to learn the rich history of African-Americans in Bloomington and Monroe County and all that's been done before I got here. Well, I, I tell you, I've, me, when, when I was a student here, you had the opportunity to talk with people who had been here, as you described me, have been here much, much longer than mm-hmm. myself and have gone through so much and during a time when it wasn't always easy mm-hmm. to live in Southern Indiana towns. Mm-hmm. And under the shadow of Indiana University, it kind of made things a little more hospitable and uh, more a little bit more to a degree comfortable but these people have history yes and they didn't mind taking time to share with you I remember uh, um, 
Mrs. Uh, Gilliam, uh, Francis Gilliam, mm-hmm. who wrote a book about just black exemplars in Bloomington. Yes. Um, and, you know, she was always known for saying, hi, how you doing, sweetheart, and have you signed up to be a member of the NAACP? <laughs> <laughs> so one sentence, she, she got all of it done, yeah. you know. And, and there are a whole host of others. And you mentioned Liz Mitchell, who's just a walking, talking Absolutely. historian. Absolutely. Um, and she, for years now, has, since we've started, and for 15 years, has hosted a Dark Past, Bright Future. Mm. And she purposefully just goes forth and just all things relevant and impactful, impactful for the black community. She has an eye and a sense for that. And I've had the, tra- uh, the, the pleasure of traveling alongside her within Indiana, just doing some field work on some things. And she has a, a, a distinct sense to just probe deeper for her information on, on different things. And we were just on the, uh, we were texting today. And she said that later on, um, she's going to do some travels mm-hmm. uh, overseas in Vietnam. And, mm-hmm. and so we're talking yeah. about a theme <laughs> of, uh, you know, like, well, back in the 70s, there were some African-American mm-hmm. per- service personnel that may have uh, met Vietnamese women. So mm-hmm. we were just left the history there, left the history absolutely. there. And, absolutely. And so she may come back with some really interesting yes. Uh, yes. research and and uh, I wouldn't put it past her. No, no, no. She's, she's, uh, <laughs> yeah, she gets out there. And it's, it's always so interesting when she says she's getting ready to travel. She ain't going to Florida. No, no, no. No, no. She, she ain't going to North Carolina or New York. Yeah, she's going way <laughs> off the beaten path. I said, where are you going this time? I'm going to visit 18 Mediterranean countries. I said, go ahead, yeah. girl. And, and then uh, plantations. Yes. Um, and she yes. has an extensive um, uh, Jim Crow. Yes, yes. Um, collection of memorabilia. And, and that takes you back to, what, a day and time when, mm-hmm. you know, just the psychology of it mm-hmm. all. And we talked a little bit about how some things sometimes go in circles, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately. one of the things that I wanted to kind of maybe segue into um, is, you know, just in your line of work as an attorney. Um, mm-hmm. And I first met you in Memorial Hall. You were actually studying for either law school or something. That was just a chance meeting or something. Yes, might have just been the bar exam because when I first came to Indiana, my my license, I only had a license in North Carolina. Okay. And it was deactivated because I'd went off in the mission field. So when I came to Indiana, um, I had to take the bar exam. Painful, painful, brother, painful, but I had to do it. So it, and I had to, which which was actually good because I'd been away from the law for about seven years. So I needed to really read it and study it again. So that's, I think, about when we met. Well, did you know the the, the field of law you wanted to uh, practice in? Did, did you know that you wanted to kind of work with people's uh, rights as, as citizens and just uh, discrimination and things like that? Did you know? Well, I think um, with my background and my family and my, my father, I, I don't think I even got into law for any other reason than to help people who couldn't help themselves, who were having a hard time advocating for their own rights. So to help the poor, to help the disabled, to help black, to help Latino, to help women, whoever it is that I think um, is being systemically or personally prohibited from participating in the idea of all people are created equal. And that's why I want to help. And people come to your door and, and oftentimes may not come directly to your door because few people may know that there is your particular office available the um uh, the legal legal services legal services office um available many people try to seek out practicing attorneys with you know the uh, um 
through the yellow pages or yes. referrals. Yes. But the yes. one thing that kind of pushes them away, of course, is is just sometimes the cost involved. Yes, yes, and that's right. And I've been at legal services where the standard is based on a person's um, income and the, the poverty level. So one person, $14,000, a family of two, 18, family of four, 24,000, et cetera, et cetera. And we can decide who we can help and who we can't. A family of four making 37000 which is not very much. Um, I mean, it's, you don't get me wrong, it's money, but it's not a lot right, compared to the right. national income <clears throat> levels. Um, we couldn't help them. So I've been there for six years, and uh, I'm getting ready to, to leave legal services in a couple weeks. And I'm, I'm, I believe, as we have it right now, I'm going to be uh, opening a little office over by um, Blooming Foods to try to go ahead and speak more into justice. And I have this... Um, phrase I don't I don't claim to be the creator of this phrase but the idea is to as a lawyer help people speak into justice speak hmm. into the things that 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 are hurting them one of the things I talked about Clarence is a lot of times people don't know how to speak into justice and you know one of the great friends of of our of black people during the civil rights movement was the Jewish people right because the Jewish people understood how to speak into justice right and they understood that a lot of um, people I know don't really know how to do that. They're not Jewish. They're not black. They haven't been able to see in their whiteness how to speak into justice. They forget that they that there's age discrimination and gender discrimination and discrimination when you have a disability. You know, I'm 62. I remember when I applied for a job when I was 50 and everybody else, all the candidates were 25, 26. And I remember when I didn't get that job, I knew exactly why I didn't get it because I was too old. And all you got to do is think about the times that you get treated unfairly or somebody in your family has. And I don't believe there's any American who does not have a family member who has not been treated unfairly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I think if we can just learn how to sort of recognize that and then understand, you know, that being black, being Latino, being other groups, that's a conversation, a dynamic we have to speak into every day. And um, it can wear you out. And I get that people would be tired, but we, we you know, you got to speak in justice. You know, people may appear at your doorstep and and in their minds, they're at their wits end. Mm -hmm. That's um, right. They They've been beaten down. Beaten down. They're mentally and maybe physically spent. They don't know at this point where to turn. They're ready to throw in the towel. But then you, you have to infuse hope in yes. them as you hear yes. their case. Yes, yes, And sometimes there's embarrassment even in sharing yes. their case because yes. it's, you know, I'm. they may feel I'm insignificant. You don't want to take time with me. You don't want, and you want to yes. say, whoa, 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 you've yes. been dealt harshly. Yes. You've been dealt unjustly. Well and, said. And, the, and the law is here to protect you. And let me explain the areas yes. that, that there have been, um, you know, just... Uh, transgressions hurled at you and yes. then you take the time to sort of build them up again yes. and then sort of lead them on the path to fight Goliath yes but you know what Clarence is very interesting you put it that way and you and you stated that very well when we explain to people what we're going to try to do legally we have to also explain the obstacles along the way right. and as I always say to um, every client I have it's like being a gladiator and the first thing you got to do is block what's coming at you to keep yourself clear of that. And then you can sort of figure out how to go on the offense. And, um, you know, part of being a lawyer is to tell people, give people a fair assessment of what we're looking at when we have to get ready to go to battle. We, we got to know when we're going to go to the mat, when we're going to not go to the mat, and we got to figure that out. And sometimes 
being a lawyer is like being a doctor. You don't always have the joy of telling people what they want to hear all the time. Right, yeah. right. And especially if uh, there's an injustice at the workplace or, mm. as you mm-hmm. said, um, you know, you go to apply for a job or even in housing. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, in housing. Um, and, you know, I, I, I knew that we should have qualified for X, Y, Z, and, and, and then things don't go the way you want or the landlord said, I, I don't have any more yes. apartment or units available. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole game. you know it's not true. You know it's not true. Well, I, I did, did a little bit of research, and, and, and I said, well, well, let me at least try to sound sort of legalistic because my guest is, you know, on his way to being appointed to the Supreme Court, and I just want <laughs> to let him know that I, I can read a little bit. <laughs> Liberties or rights, and, and it's amazing how we sometimes, um, you know, associate one word for another, but there are distinctions. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the difference between a liberty and a right? Both words appear in the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. The distinction between the two has always been blurred, and today the concepts are often used interchangeably. However, they do refer to different kinds of guarantee protection. Civil liberties are protections against government actions. Mm-hmm. For example, the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights guarantees citizens the, rights to, the right to practice whatever religion they please. Mm-hmm. Government then cannot interfere in an individual's freedom of worship. Amendment 1 gives the individual liberty from the actions of the government. Civil rights, in contrast, refer to positive actions of government, of government should take to create equal conditions for all Americans. Mm-hmm. The term civil rights is often associated with the protection of minority groups such as African Americans, Hispanics, and women. And the government counterbalances the majority rule tendency in a democracy that often finds minorities outvoted. And um, you're inspired. Mm-hmm. By things that may have happened earlier in your life or things mm-hmm. you've witnessed personally to give the underdog a fighting chance. Mm-hmm. So there's a freedom, for example, um, as I explain to people, that I can go and stand in front of the White House and say whatever I want to say, basically whatever I want to say, and I'm free to do that and the government can't penalize me. If I'm arrested, I have the right to receive Miranda warning. So right. that's where the government has an, has an affirmative duty to give me something. But how many times, I don't know. I mean, I guess I watch movies. We all, our, our, orientation, our orientation, you know, are, yes. are the movies we watch where all of a sudden, oops, I forgot to read yes. the Miranda rights. Yes, well, this happens a lot. But, but, but part of it is that policemen do not always have to read the Miranda rights. They only have to read the Miranda rights if they're going to interrogate you or ask you questions. If they're not going to talk to you at all, you don't, there's no right. The right is to protect you against interrogation. And that's part of what you were getting to, is there's always a, a government need to do something. And we do want our policemen to be able to interrogate, right. but we don't want them to bully. We don't want them to coerce somebody into saying something that they weren't going to say. So we that's the safeguard, right? The safeguard is we want the police to do the job, but we don't want them to bully or coerce, so we have this right that, that somebody can expect. And that's a very interesting um <clears throat> distinction you have between the liberties and the rights. That's all I was trying to speak into. A liberty is that I can go to the white, I can write an editorial against the government and the government cannot punish me. One of the things that happens that's a big mistake is that people think they have a right to speak into any situation. And you know, you don't have the right to do that. Okay, well on that point I was just thinking when um, there was a presidential candidate, not even our, our current one, and you know, not even the current one, but this previous presidential candidate held rallies. And individuals went at the rally to protest. But they were arrested and hauled off. 
Didn't they have the right to peaceably assemble? Well, I don't know what the local rules were there. I mean, you know, at the farmer's market just now, there was the arrest of my friend Forrest Gilmore and all that's going on over there. That's because of the local rules that they had about how you can protest. You can't protest with signs or banners. So you'd never really know what the local rules are, and you'd have to know those to really give an accurate assessment. But to protest at a political rally, I don't know that a political rally is is a government. I mean, it's, I don't know that it constitutes, is it political activity? Yes, but does it, is it a government thing? I, I just don't know that. Well, we'll say if the person speaking is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, then it becomes something different, right? Because then you're speaking against somebody who's the elected official and representative of the United States. So, But a candidate's not anybody yet except the candidate. So they may be able to locally control some of how communications is um Legislated, And, and I'm know. sure before any of that action was taken, it was vetted by a lot of attorneys who. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Who wore $5,000. Yes, and, yes. And are and are real experts in the, in the First Amendment. But, you know, just so you know, I know that there's people who think they can say anything they want about anybody and you and you can't do that. You know, they have this thing called fighting words. I mean, you are not allowed to to say fire in a and, theater and, yeah, or, yeah, like or anything or, like that. But we are. I mean, the First Amendment is basically there to help us, to give us encouragement to criticize and and critique the government without um, retribution. Okay. And while our show doesn't have the time to analyze this, does it give someone who represents government the right to critique? No. Well, it it does to the extent that, you know, Congress, Congress people in in the House of Representatives and the Senate, they can, they're protected. They, They have exemptions or you know, they can say whatever they want to say, but um, a person acting, there's a line. There's a line. I can't even tell you where it is because I don't know the laws that well, but I know there's but, a line. They can't just go around and speak about things that aren't even related to legislating. So, so it's like a Supreme Court justice and defining, say, pornography. I don't, I can't define it, but I, I, I know, I know it, when, it when I yeah, see it, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll know it when I hear it. Um, but sometimes when people come to a lawyer, they hear what they what what's the good part, and then they hear the restrictions, and that's not uncommon. Yeah. Well, um, in, in the mold and in, in, in sort of the uh, the spirit of Christmas, <laughs> we again want to take another music break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and on the other side, I want to ask you a question about something that just recently transpired uh, regarding uh, the expansion of the Voting Rights mm-hmm. Act, not um, a brand new set of rights mm-hmm. for people to vote but what we always considered should be the norm mm-hmm. was expanded mm-hmm. so that it's not tinkered with so that we don't go backwards mm-hmm. instead of going forward right. but on that note we'll now take a music break you're listening to bring it on here on your community radio station wfhb How much fun it's gonna be together This Christmas the fireside is blazing bright We're caroling through the night And this Christmas will be a very special Christmas 
presents and cards are here My world is filled with cheer and you This Christmas and as I look around Your eyes outshine the town they do This Christmas fireside's blazing bright We're caroling through the night just heard one of the signature songs of Christmas right there with James Brown's Ain't No Chimneys in the Ghetto. Run DMC. Yeah, that's right, that too, especially in the black community. (laughs) That was the late and great Howard University grad Donnie Hathaway singing This Christmas. And I'm having the time of my life. My name is Brother William and I'm having the time of my life with my man WFHB's great anchor Clarence Boone right here on Bring It On. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so glad we're recording this. And I want to just thank you uh, for bringing us up to speed on all things musical, legal, and divine. As And as we continue on, we have about five minutes left. And I, I want to give you ample time. I, I did mention, um, and I should have at least introduced this a little bit further, but there's been an expansion of the Civil Rights Act. And I guess for some reason there's the need to always remind folks that, look, we have rights to allow people to vote. Not Absolutely. that they're being taken away, but some have the rationale that, oh, we've advanced so far. We don't need to have these rights in writing. And uh, the big concern is, yeah, right, what's not in writing is soon forgotten. But back early part of December, uh, there was a, a vote to expand the rights to continue this protection. And John Smith had a major role. He gaveled uh, this all into, uh, into 
John Lewis announced the passage of the bill to strengthen it. And it was on party lines, but all of the Republicans seemingly voted against it except one. And, uh, and that's just so telling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe they can explain it at a later mm-hmm. date. But, mm-hmm. but I throw that out there just for your observation on why the need to just continually remind folk that we have the right to vote and why, why try to interrupt that? Well, Clarence, as I was mentioning before, you know, we, as a lawyer, we have to say what we know and what we don't know. Yeah. And I have to admit that on the Voting Rights Act, I'm not up to speed on a lot of it. But I do know that um, if John Lewis announced the passage of the bill to strengthen the Voting Rights Act, then I know it must be substantial Absolutely. and it must be significant. Because John Lewis has paid the price. Yes, he has, physically. So. Yeah, physically, that's right. And um, <clears throat> I would say that the extent of what I know right now is just that there's <clears throat> always in Indiana and in other states, um, always these battles going on with gerrymandering so that parties can um, influence uh, who can vote in what districts. And Indiana is, I think, somewhere near the top of the list of states that um, are doing some nasty gerrymandering and getting away with things that affect how we vote and how we're grouped together. I think Monroe County is, is one of the examples. Like a part of it has been clipped off so as to help the Trey Hollinsworths of the world so that mm-hmm. Monroe County cannot um, be a part of that election. And so um, I'm not so sure exactly if if this is a great victory right now because this is a victory in the House of Representatives knowing that the Senate is not going to confirm That's right. it. So That's right. Um, I was telling my wife the other day that there's, we get a lot of announcements about this has passed the House or this has passed the House or this has passed the Senate, and that's only one-third of what's necessary to pass a bill. So right. sometimes it's misleading. Well, you know, we want to bring that to our listeners' attention. If you ever wondered, but, does my vote count? Yes. yes. Yes, it does. Should I go out and vote? Yes. Yes. And if there are obstacles such as, well, it's only open till 6 o'clock, then vote early. Uh, yes. Don't always wait till the day of to yes. vote. Get your vote cast early. There are opportunities to do that. Well, you know, it's interesting. You had the, <clears throat> dis- the distinction earlier of a civic right and a civic liberty. Mm-hmm. There's also, and you know this, there's a civic responsibility. That's right. And so that's the responsibility where I have to do something. That's right. right? The state doesn't have to do it, and the state's not going to, you know, but I got to get out and make it happen. You know? Lives have been lost. Yes, trying indeed. to exercise that yes, right. Indeed. Well, I, I am so glad I, uh, you sent me an announcement, and this is what I've been waiting all evening to talk about. And it reads, and I wish I had some, some background music. I didn't have time to orchestrate <laughs> this. But, but think about the Hallelujah Chorus as I'm, I'm uh, reading this. There you go. By the grace of God and with the consent of the people, the Right Reverend Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, Bishop of Indianapolis, will ordain William R. Morris, Jr., to the mm. sacred order of deacons mm. and Christ's one holy Catholic and apostolic church on Thursday the 12th of December. And that was four days ago. Mm-hmm. In the year of our Lord, I haven't heard that phrase. We used to use that back in mm-hmm. elementary school. In the year mm-hmm. of our Lord, 2019, the commemoration of Thomas Merton transferred at 7 o'clock in the evening, Christ Church Cathedral, 125 Monument Circle, Indianapolis, Indiana. Explain that. Are, are you? Are, what is going on in in the world? Of William <laughs> That's a big question right there. You know, um, well, you're an you're an ordained minister, so yes, you am. understand this thing about feeling called in your life, mm-hmm. and you understand when you feel like 
Um, you know, you have what you do professionally. You may be married, have a father. You understand all these things, but you understand when there's something that's tapping on your shoulder. And as you try to that, run away and, yeah, you're, and, yeah. you, and you can't run anymore. <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah. run. <laughs> and it says, I, I, I want you to do something. And you do like, um, forgot the character. The Bible says, okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. And so four years ago, um, that became clear to me that I needed to show up and, and, and serve in the Lord and not really serve with my own voice, but to try to reflect um, Jesus into the things that I do in my life, in All my right. marriage, in my work, in my in the civil rights movement, and in the things that we do, and my being your friend to reflect Jesus. And you know, I can start crying about that because it's just so heavy. But we had a, a great time last Thursday, and you know, Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs is the first Black Episcopal right. bishop, bishop right. in the United States in Episcopal history. And I want you to help. Uh, secure an interview with her. Yes, yeah, well, she. I know she'd be happy to come on All here, right. and so. But I will try my best to do that. And of course, you might know the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, the head of the United States Episcopal Church, is also a brother out of North Carolina, um, okay. Michael Curry. All right. So the Episcopal Church is making an affirmative effort to try to speak into freedom, like okay. we were talking about. But it's a, it's a, it's it's you know, it's an effort. Well, um, heavy lifting. Uh, this, of course, uh, just demands we do another show with yes, you. Yes, brother, anytime. As my engineer is uh, signaling that it's, uh, you know, as, as we always say, time flies. Yes, yes it does. Uh, and um, we will have you back to talk about that, you know, maybe record your sermon, play it over there. You know? all, right. <clears throat> all right. All right. But, again, for bringing us up to speed on all things musical, legal, and divine, <laughs> we want to thank radio personality, civil rights attorney, and now ordained deacon, uh, William Morris. Thank you, and brother. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringingon at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringingon at wfhb.org. Um, your show's producer is yours truly, Clarence Spoon, with the help from the WFHB News Department and tonight's board engineer, Wishantal LaFontant. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. And for WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. Tune in next Monday, December 23rd. Wow, it's here already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. At 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. <laughs> You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.